Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. I really feel this morning that um, Jesus' presence was here with us in a real way, particularly in that final song. And so I'm greatly encouraged because I feel what we're going to share this morning honors that presence. I don't know if you've ever given that much thought or recently that the presence of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, by His Holy Spirit, is here. It's a phenomenal thought. The same Jesus who the whole world is going to bow down before one day and confess as, as the one who was and is and is to come. He's here. And the fact that Jesus' presence is here in the midst of his people, church, shapes us. It shapes what we do. The reason why we raise our hands, the reason why we're here this morning, is because we are coming to encounter a living God. He's alive. And because of that, our response to him is one of honor. Honor. And this morning, that's what I want to share with you from God's Word. Is how can we here at the Ridge have a culture of honor? Because first and foremost, you need to remember that God the Father showed the world the greatest honor by sending His Son, Jesus. And so for us as a church, before we dive into what it means to have honor as, a, as an ingredient, as an atmosphere around us when we come and gather, we have to know what that's rooted in and why. This morning, you might not yet have come to a place in your life where you have confessed Jesus and you are persuaded in your heart that He is your Lord and Savior. But I want to say this, starting out in the right places to say, you are tremendously loved by God. And regardless even now how you have responded to Him, He honors you by offering you His Son. You don't have to be ready or somehow perfect to receive it. You don't have to be somehow intelligent or know a lot about church or what to say or how to pray or even know a lot about the Bible to receive that honor. It is offered to you freely this morning simply because the Father loves you. And He sent His own Son. His own Son. Those of you who have kids, His own Son to die for you. And because you are precious, to the Father, and because you are made in His image, and because He highly values you, just as you are, that honor that He shows the world, He asks His church to reflect. And Mark preached last week on how we show honor. Timothy is to honor the re different relationships in the church, how he is to show honor to older men, younger men, older women, younger women, how we are to honor the widows, how we are to care for each other, how we are to be a community that reflects Christ. But what we're going to share this morning is shifting gears a little bit. 
And we're going to be looking at how do we show honor as your leaders, as your elders, Mark, Roger, and myself, how do we honor you as God's elect, as God's precious flock? But also, how do you show honor to God's leaders? You see, because at the moment, we're in a bit of a crisis in our country around this issue of honor. How many of you have watched Parliament lately? Not so? Yeah? I want to say, if you ever want to see the nastiness of what dishonor causes is to watch a parliamentary session at this moment in time. You've got a leader who is dishonoring his position that has been entrusted to him and the government of this nation. But you also have, on the other side, parties who have been elected into parliament who are dishonoring each other and dishonoring the leadership of the chair in that assembly, in that house. And what happens is, when there is dishonor towards our fellow human beings, even at a government level that you can see in Parliament, there's chaos, brokenness, fracture, disunity. And uh, unfortunately, as a church, we don't get a lot of help in how to show honor from society around us. I think increasingly, and, and if I hear some of the older generation here this morning, when I hear you speak, your big concern is that there's no longer honor shown to parents, no longer honor shown to authority figures. Largely, what I hear increasingly is a real concern that around you, the old systems, the old ways, the old kind of habits of honoring your father and mother, of the various institutions and relationships that were considered to be a bit sacred. That's eroding. And so when you watch the sitcoms of the day, you see children being really snotty towards their parents, not so? You watch one spouse dishonor the other openly. You see students being dishonoring towards teachers towards bosses, towards colleagues, towards friends. Friends, we are having to recapture and to be reminded as a church what it means to show honor. And I'm also very aware this morning that some of you here have come from churches where you have seen leadership abuse that position of honor. And uh, in the news, you've seen that there has been some really um, embarrassing moments. Maybe you, you're attending church for the first time or you're watching from the outside where you're seeing pastors say you need to spray your congregants with doom. They need to eat petrol, eat grass. It is an embarrassment for us as a church when we see leaders who abuse their position of honor. And many of us have watched leaders fail in this regard, and I am aware that for Mark, Roger, and myself, we have to work doubly hard nowadays to earn respect because our forerunners often have done such a bad job. And so perhaps it might be difficult for you to receive what I have to say this morning as a person who is in a position of honor because of the side effects of what you've seen in church. And so what I feel we are contending for this morning rests on each of our shoulders. Is that as we grow as the region, as God is blessing us, we have to be continually reminded of what people are seeing on the outside in. We've been talking a lot about what do people experience when they come into the midst of a ridge. When they come into the midst of a person of this congregation, what is their impression that they receive of the kind of community that happens here? 
And so there are certain checks and safeguards that we're going to talk about this morning that are helpful for us this morning to remind us of how we can maintain this atmosphere and this culture of honor. Because what's really at stake is this, Christ's credibility in the neighborhood that we live in. If people look at a church that is full of dishonor in the way it behaves, not only towards each other, but towards the Lord in lifestyle, is it does great damage to our witness, to our faith. And so Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, my boy, you have to establish a plumb line in the churches at Ephesus. And part of the plumb line was restoring godly, honorable leadership that would lead the church into the fullness that Jesus had for it. But also what we'll see this morning is he sets out a very clear directive as to how the followers, the congregants of those elders need to respond so that there is this two-way process of honor. And so you might have heard about how it is we have to become great leaders, but you're going to hear this morning, how do we become great followers as well? And so let's read together very briefly in verse 17 of chapter 5, and then we'll, we'll hit, it, hit the ground running. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy, here it is, of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Listen to this. In the presence of God, and of Christ Jesus, and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourselves pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are conspicuous going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So the first thing we need to look at is how do we create this culture of honor? Well, he starts first and foremost with the followers, with you and with me. Because I follow Mark and Rog just as much as you do as, an, as elders. But the thing that we start with is going, how do we honor those that are over us? I'm going to look at why that is important. But before we dive into just what it means to show double honor to eldership, it's important to understand that in that opening phrase of verse 17, we understand why we structure church the way we do. Notice Paul says, let the elders who rule well, in other words... The leaders of those early churches were elders. It was not the congregation. They didn't take votes and said, this is how we're going to go. No, it was eldership that was required to leave. And an elder was described in three ways. And this is important. You need to know why you're paying my salary, first of all, that you don't pay Mark and Raj. But you need to understand why we structure the church as we do, because it might be a bit different to what you're used to. Well, we believe that New Testament church is led by an elder, and an elder is described in three ways. They are pastors, we are responsible for your spiritual health, and that you are fed with good stuff that you are looked after. Secondly, we are overseers, we exercise authority and leadership. 
That's why the direction of the church is being shaped with congregational participation, but we lead the charge. And thirdly, an elder is described as an elder because, not because we're gray, we don't dye our hair gray and we're old, but because we have to be spiritually mature. And what's required of an elder is an ability to have a depth and understanding of the truth in the Lord Jesus Christ that enables those that he looks after to follow into the same depth. And so this morning, elders look after three things, doctrine, direction, and discipline. It's very important that we understand that. And so the first thing is Paul says, you need to know that these men have been gifted to you for this specific purpose, for your well-being. And so the first thing is we show double honor when you see an elder doing a good job. How many of you are in leadership positions where you work? Maybe you own your own business or you have some people under you. Put up your hand. Won't you just put up your hand? Yeah? How difficult is it to lead people? Hard, not so? How much of your feedback is positive? Not much. People don't seem to notice when things are going well, not so? But man, when things go bad, just you wait. Church, you know what honor is? Honor is showing value. And it's not value just hidden in your heart. A culture of honor is when you see somebody doing a good job, you encourage and you commend them for it. There was a study done recently in, in the States where they were investigating as to why church leaders left churches. Do you know why they left? Because 5 to 10% of the congregation was unhappy with them. But you know why they left only because of 5 to 10% being unhappy? It's because all they heard was the 5 and 10% that complained. And this morning, I want you to know, I'm not asking that you kind of treat our egos as fragile. That's not what I'm saying. Nor do you suck up to us and go, oh, Mark, you're doing such a good job. But you need to know that God has called us to sacrificially lay down our lives for you. And leadership can be lonely. And leadership can be in a space where you're giving, but you're not really sure if there is any effectiveness. And Paul says, if you want a great church... You need to have motivated leadership. And the way you motivate your leadership is you encourage them. You say, well done. That was good. And leaders, whether you're in children's ministry, whether you are boss at work, whether you are a teacher overseeing people, you encourage with your mouth, but you also encourage with your hands. And what that means is, when there is something that you see being led by the elder that is godly and right, don't make that difficult for him. <laughs> Don't let it be like him trying to pull the Titanic. And I can say this at the ridge because it's not like this. But when you're trying to motivate or say, this is what I feel God is saying, respond with enthusiasm. Because ultimately we show honor with our mouths and with our hands, our readiness. And we encourage, we show value, we show honor in the way that we communicate with each other. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a church that when you come in, there's just encouragement from the get-go. That when you start in the hospitality ministry and you do something well, people are saying, well done, you're growing, you're doing. Can you imagine that's the kind of feedback you get from day one? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah? Secondly, 
is we are to show double honor in recognizing that within the eldership team, there are different categories. And this is important for some of us here because you've come from a church perhaps that's been old school where the pastor does everything. In a classic Baptist church in the past and still today, the pastor is the, the elder, there's one elder, and he is expected to do everything because the church pays his salary, not so. And what ends up happening is the pastor oversees the children's ministry, oversees the facilities, oversees the visitations throughout the week, oversees the finances, oversees every aspect of the church. And what begins to happen is that primary calling that he has been called into to study God's word and to preach dims down and he gets overwhelmed with what is actually vital for you to receive on a Sunday and when you get together as a church. The second kind of way we show double honor is that within the eldership team, there are elders that are anointed and gifted to study God's word and to preach it. And the way you show double honor is to release them into doing that. And that means the expectation upon that elder is not to be having fingers in many different pies, but you recognize that there is a primary priority which he's to give himself to in order for you to be spiritually healthy. And so in our church, you might be wondering why I haven't come to your house personally to have a cup of coffee once a month. It's because my role on the eldership team is primarily to give myself to God's word in study and to preach it. Now that means I'm not approachable. No, that's wrong. That doesn't mean I'm not approachable. I still, I'm still available. We are available. But we have a team, a pastoral care team of Brian and John who, are, who visit you. Particularly those who are unable to attend the services. When they come to your house, they are just as spiritual as Mark, Roger, and myself. When they rock, in actual fact, they're probably more so in that gifting of any of us put together. But when you get a visit from the pastoral care team, they are just as spiritual and just as capable and just as backed in this church as if one of us were doing it. And so that's the second way we show double honor, is we release the person who has been tasked by the Holy Spirit primarily to preach, Roger and Mark can preach, but it's my job to give myself to that specifically. We honor that. We release Matt Francis and myself from the expectation of having to do operational stuff all the time. The third way we show double honor is this, is we show remuneration, is that we give towards the work of the Lord. Paul says something quoted from the Old Testament where he says, just as an ox goes and is working that mill, that walking around or plowing the field, he gets to, that ox gets to eat of the produce of the land. So the way we show honor is to financially give towards the ministry and the service that we receive from our leadership. And so it's quite funny. I was, I was laughing at myself. I said like, two weeks ago, we hardly ever talk about money from the pulpit. But uh, three weeks after the two weeks ago sermon, here I find myself speaking again. As if I went to, let's say, Dean, he's not here this morning, and he fixed my car. He's a mechanic. 
I pay him for that service. I honor him for the work that he's done. And I just want to drop the thought in this morning. The reason, one of the reasons why we tithe is we show honor for the work that the leadership does in giving themselves for our own nourishment. Now, it says, especially those like myself who preach and teach, but it doesn't limit it to that. And so this morning, you need to know that Rog has been set apart. Sterling pays his salary. We get to have a portion of him, which is great. But he has spent himself for the sake of the church in such a way that we have to have him full time to do that. We show double honor to Rog for the work that he does. He doesn't necessarily preach, but man, he does a lot that serves the church and enables us to grow in Christ. And so this thing of showing honor, we do it with our mouths. We do it with our posture and attitude. We do it by releasing certain categories of elders from expectation, but we also do it by showing remuneration. Secondly, is the way that we honor each other is through guarding one another's reputation. How many of you would love it that if at the Ridge you came here, you felt so safe to share anything because you knew it would be kept confidential and close? How many of you would feel that this place would be a compelling place for people who come into us as a community and they sense that in this place there is an honoring in the way we speak about each other? Friends, I've, by the time I was 22 years old, I had been through one church split and left just in time to avoid two more. You know what the roots of those church disorders and disunities were? was that there was talk and gossip and slander that developed within the body that began to grow like a cancer. And what happened was, instead of there being one united sense of guarding one another and keeping each other accountable in the way that we spoke, there were certain parties that began to develop and began to rally around certain leaders. And I won't ask for a raise of hands. But I would not be surprised this morning if some of you have passed hurt from church breakups or disappointments in the way Christians have behaved. And I want to put a warning out there this morning for us. As we grow, so the risk of there being friction in terms of expectation of the way we think should think things should be, or the risk of us causing offense, it will happen. Mark, Roger, and myself, or a leader somewhere, somehow, will offend you one day by accident, hopefully not on purpose. And how you deal with that will determine how we go forward as a church. That's how massive it is. In James chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Friends, in this place, as friends, as brothers and sisters, we guard one another's reputations. And the way we do that is when there starts to be an offense, and this applies in the workplace, this applies in your family, when there is an offense that arises, please don't talk to five other people before you deal with it. Do it according to what Jesus says, is you go to that person directly. Nathan's saying amen. Thank you, Nathan. How many of us here have been hurt by gossip and slander? 
How many of us here, don't put your hand up, have been a part of that? You know, the quickest way Satan comes into a church is by piggybacking on bitterness. And Paul says, congregation, our job is to guard our tongues. And the way we do that is we guard leadership. He says, don't let any charge be brought up against an elder. Charge is something that would discredit him or disqualify him from his office. Don't allow malicious gossip to be rampant. Don't let things come up by saying, so-and-so, I heard so-and-so say that somebody somewhere is discontent or angry at Matt or Rog or Mark or whoever it is. No, no, no. What we do is we guard one another's reputation and the leadership by only permitting what can be substantiated by evidence, first and foremost, so we don't permit hearsay. But secondly, we guard it by making sure that there is no slander or gossip that's doing its rounds in the congregation. That the second somebody comes to you or me with a grievance, what we do is we say, come, let's go together to that person now. And I want to just give this caution as well. In my last few minutes that I have, I'm already running out of time. But be careful coming from another church where there is unfinished business that you still need to settle with perhaps leadership or perhaps where there was some sort of disagreement, some bad damage or past hurt that is undealt with. Because what happens is if it's unfinished, you carry that. I carry that. And that same hurt can play out in the context of us as a congregation. Third point. is just as followers, we honor one another with our mouths and we guard each other's reputations. We are committed as your leaders to ensure that if there is sin in our ranks, we deal with it. So let's say Megan comes up, no, let's say Di, so I'm going to pick on you again. Di comes up, she works for SARS, she knows that I am cheating my tax return. <laughs> and that her, uh, one of her elders is uh, shirking the government out of, yes, because I earn so much, thousands and thousands of rands. And she comes to Mark and to Roger, and she says, Mark or Roger, that's why there's always more than one elder. Uh, I need to tell you something about Matt. I've got evidence that this guy is uh, not submitting as he should his tax returns. Whether or not I'm Mark's best friend or Roger's favorite, whether or not I have served at the church for 50 years, whether I'm the most charismatic person, whether it would damage the church or not, Paul says that before us as elders, before Jesus Christ, before the elect angels and God, we are charged not to show any partiality to anybody. And so our commitment to you as elders is, when you bring things to us, our commitment is we will treat whoever it is as equal to anybody else. And I want to say this morning, it doesn't matter how much money you contribute to the church. It doesn't matter how long you have served here for. It doesn't matter how charismatic and how many ministries you and I could possibly run. 
our commitment to showing honor is when you bring something to us, we treat it with the utmost honor and impartiality. And I want you to know this morning, we are a safe place for you. I don't care how, how trivial it might feel. I don't care how difficult it might be. But the way we have to deal in this place with friction and disunity or even hurt is when you bring it to us, our commitment to you as leaders is we will be impartial and we will do our best to ensure that there is no favoritism. I say this morning, it doesn't make you feel safe. But as your leaders, we want you to know we will honor you. And if there is anything this morning that is a grievance for you, I want to encourage you to come. And lastly, because I'm running out of time, our commitment to you is when we signed up for this office and responded to the call of Jesus, we signed up to a standard of character to which you can hold us accountable to. And the reason why, the fourth point, the way we show honor to you is we don't appoint elders every second week because we believe that this office requires a level of spiritual maturity that if we don't get right, dishonors you. Because ultimately, out of it comes out great hurt. And so what Paul says is, when we are looking for elders, which I'm hoping some of you gents here this morning are considering, this is not a monopoly. And if we're going to move forward as the ridge, we need men who will stand up and say, I have a love for the church and a love for Jesus, and I want to serve him in this capacity. But I want to say this morning, if that's your heart, and if that's what's on your desire to serve as elder, is don't lose heart. Or perhaps don't perceive this as a monopoly in frontier. We are going slow because Paul says in the last verses of our text is that true character comes out over a long period of time. And this morning, if we are hasty in the laying on of hands, and if we are not careful in the way that we position ourselves in eldership, is we can prematurely bring someone on board that can in the end bring greatest honor to this office. The thing I want to leave you this morning with is this. Who we are becoming as people is far more important than what we do. And if we are going to be showing honor here as a church that reflects the same honor that God shows us is we have to work on who we are becoming as followers of Christ. Are we honoring jobs well done? Are we here encouraging and spurring each other on in our walk with Jesus and recognizing where there has been growth and success and good service? Are we growing in our ability to recognize that we honor the Lord by giving? Are we growing in our ability 
to guard the reputation of those around us and our tongues in the way we speak. That we bear up the reputations of those around us. Are we growing in our desire to become a people that guard unity in every single aspect of the ridge? There's a scripture that says, where there is unity, it commands a blessing. And this morning, if we're going to grow, we're going to become a church that's compelling. And a people that people on the outside want to join and be a part of. Because we need to be a people of honor. Let's pray. Lord, these things are so simple. But yet, Lord, so essential. And this morning, Lord, I want to pray if there's any grievance in any heart this morning, I pray for the courage and the responsiveness to deal with it by either going to the person directly or approaching leadership. I pray this morning that we would grow as a church in understanding our responsibility in maintaining and keeping unity at the ridge not shying away from sin, but Lord, creating a space where we deal with it in an honorable and gracious way. Father, I pray that in this time of growth, and in this time of growing in our friendships with each other, and in the call to serve you, and as we partner with each other for the sake of the gospel, I pray for a growing and deep sense of treasuring each other in our hearts, of valuing each other deeply, of considering each other with the same honor you've shown us in Jesus. So guide us, Lord, protect us, lead us on. Help us be faithful to you in these areas, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.